elementary and middle school kids, and middle school kids, you're headed downstairs, so go ahead and take off. Are there none in here? Maybe they bugged out when I, yeah, when I, maybe they were freaked out by the intro. <laughs> Can't say that I blame them. Okay. Uh, my name is Dave Hine, uh, filling in for Bob today. And um, since they went to state cross country, all right, it's awesome. Yes. So he's had a busy week. Um, we're going to continue to take a look at Jesus and his interactions with different people. Um, we're going to take it, look at it in the light um, of grace and truth. And today's scripture is um, going to be uh, Luke chapter 19, 1 through 10. And I just want to set it up just for a second. But basically, Jesus is heading towards Jerusalem. And he's passing through a town called Jericho. Jericho was a town that had some commerce. So there was some, it was kind of a busy place, place of business. And so lots of people around in Jericho. And uh, he runs um, into this man named Zacchaeus, and we're going to find out a little bit more about Zacchaeus. But um, I've asked my friend Rachel Stobbs to come up and read the scripture for us today. I just thought it would be nice to not hear my voice the whole time, so you're good. Okay, so it's Luke 19, verses 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was so short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to help him, or to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Jesus... Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, this is really an extraordinary account from Scripture that we get to look at today. Um, Jesus heading towards Jerusalem, passing through Jericho. There's a man named Zacchaeus. And we don't know a lot about Zacchaeus. We know a little bit about Zacchaeus. Um, said that he was a chief tax collector. Um, and we've, we've talked about this a little bit here at Wellspring, but back in biblical days, the tax collectors were not the most well-liked people. They were hired by the Roman government to go and collect taxes. But what they would do a lot of times is collect extra to line their own pockets. It says that Zacchaeus was a wealthy man and that he was a chief tax collector. Um, and as I looked at a few uh, biblical commentaries, talked about it, it was almost like extortion when they would go to collect these taxes. And it was kind of one of those things where it's like, hey, give me a little more and I won't call the Roman soldiers in. Um, it was a threat. And so you can imagine tax collectors weren't well liked. Um, so we know that Zacchaeus is a tax collector. We know that he's wealthy. We know that he is short in stature, vertically challenged. My friend Devin told me to make sure I said it like that, vertically challenged. Um, and so he climbs this tree. Now, I mean, I don't know about you. Um, 
I'm middle-aged, I guess middle-aged. I'm, I'm 52, I don't know many 104-year-old people, but <laughs> give myself the benefit of the doubt, I guess, call myself middle-aged. Um, it's been a while since I've climbed a tree. Um, and maybe you're a middle-aged person that climbs a lot of trees. I mean, I respect that. It's a little weird, but unless you're a deer hunter or something, you're probably not climbing trees. So um, I had just a question for you. I mean, other than the fact that he was short, what was going on in Zacchaeus's heart, do you think, that would make this grown man, a wealthy man, climb up the sycamore tree? Um, what, I don't know, just what do you think was going on? What, what might have possessed him to do that? Just a question for you all. Really no right or wrong answers. I'm just, what do you think was going on in Zacchaeus' heart that would possess him to climb up this tree to get a better glimpse of Jesus? Yeah. He was excited. Yeah. He wanted to see Jesus. Um, probably he'd heard a lot about Jesus. Usually when he was coming through town, there was a little bit of a parade atmosphere. People were following him. Yeah, I wanted to, to see Jesus. What else? Yeah. 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 This was kind of his one shot. I'm going to climb a tree and see this. Yeah. Anything else? What might have been going on in his heart, you think, in his soul? Anybody else? Thought on that? Yeah? Yeah. Kind of an interesting play, wasn't it? I mean, I, this is my one shot. I got to see this. But maybe I'm going to hide behind it. Maybe there was some shame from his life. You know, a lot of times shame keeps us from really seeing Jesus. Um, so maybe some shame. Yeah, and I think um, there's a part of me that thinks he couldn't have been too happy with the way things were going. I mean, people hated him, right? I mean, if somebody was stealing money from you and several, several people in the town, I mean, it's not well-liked. And so I think that this is kind of the beginning of some transformation in Zacchaeus, you know, that he is desperate enough to climb a tree. This is my, kind of my one shot. I don't want to jump out in front of the parade. I really don't want to be seen, so I'm going to climb this tree. There's a lot going on there. So Zacchaeus climbs this tree. Jesus stops, and he calls him by name. Now, by all accounts, they'd never met before. But Jesus knows his name. Jesus knows our name. Jesus knows his heart. And Jesus knows our heart. And he calls him down. Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house. It's kind of a shocking deal. So Zacchaeus comes down. It says that he welcomed him gladly. Again, this transformation thing is happening. He climbs this tree. I got to get a look. Oh my gosh, Jesus is calling me by name. He comes down and welcomes him gladly. Tells me that maybe there's a part of Zacchaeus that's like, oh man, I am needing something different in my life. This isn't going so well. 
and I'm a little bit desperate, and Jesus is calling me by name. He comes down, welcomes him immediately. Then uh, some of the Jewish people around start to murmur, talking about Jesus going to eat at the house of a sinner. And sometimes when I read, I'll admit, sometimes when I read like stuff that hypocrites said, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's just, you know, what are they doing? What are they thinking? But I got to admit, there's a piece of me that thinks I, I might have been grumbling. <laughs> if Zacchaeus had stolen money from me, threatened me, and now all of a sudden here comes Jesus saying, I must have, I must come to your house today. There's a piece of me that would be like, hey, are you serious? Zacchaeus? I mean, he's a low life. I can't stand that guy. So this is one of those instances that I, I, I get the grumbling a little bit, you know. I wish, I would like to say that I'd be the guy that would not be grumbling, but I, I might have been grumbling at this. But then, um, and, and really for Zacchaeus and, and the Jewish people, there, he was one of kind of a long line of people that they felt they were better than that we've taken a look at. You know, if you think about um, the sinful woman at the well, the demon-possessed man, the Samaritan, um, these are all people that the Jewish people felt they were better than. And now Zacchaeus, he's just one in a long line of people that we've taken a look at, taken a look at, that they feel better than. But then, really, there's (laughs) this kind of stunning Declaration. Because Zacchaeus says, um, he stood up and said, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Now that amount that he was going to pay back was actually more than the Roman law said you had to pay back if you'd stolen. So this was like this you know, obviously something is going on in Zacchaeus' heart. It's a stunning reversal. And Jesus' grace here, it almost feels like a reckless, you know? It's like, man, Zacchaeus. But we see this unbelievable reversal for Zacchaeus. And I think that he gets it, you know? Again, Zacchaeus gets something that the other people around aren't getting about who Jesus is, what he came to do, what he came to do in our, what he, what he came to do in our lives. Um, then Jesus goes on and says, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. He calls him a son of Abraham. Now that's interesting. And um, Nick, if you could put that slide up. Abraham um, had this great faith, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited to him as righteousness. So here we see Zacchaeus, Jesus being actually saying, because of your faith, I'm seeing you as righteous today. Salvation has come to your house And then Jesus really makes sure that we know what his mission is. (laughs) For I have come to seek and save the lost. 
And I thought it was kind of cool that he gives them a new identity. And really, if you think about the different people that we've looked at in Scripture, they actually, even in Scripture, they had this identity, right? It was the paralyzed man, the demon-possessed man, the sinful woman, the bleeding woman. Now, Zacchaeus, the tax collector. And now he has this encounter with Christ, and he has this new identity. Now you're a son of Abraham. (laughs) Now I see you as righteous. And all along, the people that we've looked at, we see this new identity from the bleeding woman to healed (laughs) and whole. Um, The man by the pool to healed and forgiven. Um, The demon-possessed man is now healed. And now we see Zacchaeus given a new identity by Jesus. Um, It's really a remarkable piece of Scripture. And um, as I was thinking about this and thinking about this message a little bit, um, this is... This is really the last message as we look at Jesus as he's heading to Jerusalem. Um, the next three messages will be um, the cross and then after. So I, was, I, I thought I would take kind of a look back a little bit. And I thought, what are some of the common denominators in the people that we've looked at in this journey and why God was able to move in their life, why they became you know, from one thing to healed or hold, whole or forgiven or son of Abraham, God, you know, salvation came to Zacchaeus' house. What was going on in the lives of these people that we've been taking a look at on this journey? And this is one of those things that's really gracious and also maybe a hard truth for us, depending on where you are. Um... But the, the common denominator that I've found is brokenness. Is brokenness. All of these people who had these unbelievable encounters with Jesus, where Jesus transformed their lives and gave them a new identity, had a sense of brokenness. And we talk about brokenness and we sing about brokenness. And we sing about brokenness in one of the songs this morning. I'm going to take a look at that scripture that we, that we sang. But what does brokenness really mean? And I want to take a look at it in two different ways. One is brokenness when we have a recognition of our own sin. When we have a recognition of our own sin, then we are broken, I think. So if you could put the next slide up there. When speaking of brokenness and sin, my brokenness motivates me to confess my sin to God and turn to Him as my only hope of forgiveness, cleansing, and victory over my sin. That is when we were broken over our own sin. Um, And I'll admit, I've had times in my life when I've been broken over my sin and times of life that I haven't, when I haven't had a humble posture before the Lord. And I can tell you, God cannot work in our lives if we are prideful or arrogant. Out of the desperation, out of grief and the hurt of a fractured heart over sin, God longs to produce humility in us. It is humility that allows us to recognize who God is and who we are in comparison with Him. It's humility that sets us up to come to grips with our sin. So really, brokenness not only 
we, we not only recognize our own sinfulness and probably that effect that the sin has on those around us, you know, that, that's a huge thing when we come to recognize not only our sin, but how it's affected those around us. But we also see God in the proper light um, because of that brokenness. Um, and then I had one more after that. Um, and the, this part of the... Um, Uh, let's see, is the one before that maybe? Maybe not. It was the verse. Yeah. There it goes. Yeah, okay. And we just sang this verse uh, in the song. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. Again, the, the brokenness over our sin. That's one of the common denominators I see in this. And it's kind of interesting to contrast Zacchaeus with the rich young ruler that we talked about last week, right? Because the rich Zacchaeus is broken from his sin, I believe. Because we see him climbing a tree. We start to see something going on. He gladly welcomes Jesus. So there's this des- kind of a little bit of a desperation in him. And then immediately when he's confronted with Jesus, he makes this declaration And he lets go of the thing that is most valuable to him, right? His wealth. He kind of sold his soul for this wealth. And like Bob was saying, sometimes our wealth, you know, it it insulates us from problems. You know, we can solve problems by throwing money around. And um, sometimes we get too attracted to that. And we saw the rich young ruler last week who couldn't give up his wealth. And he wasn't broken by his own sin. He didn't have a recognition of his own sin. If you remember, he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus was like, you know, we'll do these things. And he looked at some of the Ten Commandments, and he said, well, I'm doing these. (laughs) Jesus knowing, yeah, you're probably not. And then he cuts to the heart and says, well, then go sell all your possessions and come follow me. And it says the man went away sadly. He could not give up the thing that he held most dear was his wealth. And here we see Zacchaeus gladly doing it without hesitation. Um, It's amazing because I think Zacchaeus had a recognition of his sin. He got it. He was broken over it. And this godly sorrow led to this repentance. Um, The other thing about brokenness is when we are broken by just the fall of the world. Um, some of you in here today, I'm sure, have been through some really painful things, probably some things that none of us can imagine, really difficult times. And you um, have, it's been very hard. And um, I think we sometimes have a brokenness, maybe the sin, the sinfulness of others. We've been a victim of that, and we feel broken by it. You know, one thing about that is sometimes if we're a victim of other sin in the fall of the world, we can become cynical and we can become bitter and we can become arrogant and we can become angry when we're a victim of just the fall of the world. But that's not what we see with the people that Jesus encountered and that's why Jesus was able to work in their lives, okay? Because really when we are broken by the fall of the world, we have to have a humble posture before God too. 
And so I have a, just a quote from that, too, um, about brokenness. When speaking of brokenness and suffering, my brokenness motivates me to turn to God as my only source of hope. You know, instead of becoming bitter or angry or cynical, we turn to God as our only source of hope. And we see that, right? The bleeding woman, oh, if I could just touch this, I mean, she was clinging to God as her only source of hope when she probably could have been cynical and angry and mad. We see the synagogue leader fall at Jesus' feet when his daughter is sick and dying and just, ugh, you know? We see these amazing people that we've looked at and how they responded to the grace of Jesus and they were broken. The demon-possessed man was like, when he had been healed, was like wanted to go, you know? It was kind of a, kind of a rough scene. He, was, he wanted to go with Jesus and the disciples, but Jesus had a different mission for him. But we just see this longing to continue to be with Jesus. And in last week, we saw the rich young ruler walk away sadly. Walk away sadly. It's an interesting contrast that we have and we can look at today. So I think that that brokenness piece is the common, is, it's really a common denominator that I see working in the lives of these people that we've been looking at over the last few weeks. Um, You know, kind of, kind of finishing up here, um, brokenness, it's not just brokenness for brokenness sake, you know? It's not like, all right, I have a recognition of my sin, you know, in and of itself, or man, I've been beat down by the world, and you know, that, that, that in and of itself isn't good, but it's what it can lead to. That is, that is beautiful. Um, the last slide, talking about brokenness, I think is key because it's what it can do for us. The reason brokenness is beautiful is because of how God can use it in our lives. It is something that can draw us near to him. Brokenness can make room for a contrite heart and repentance to bring us back into fellowship with him when we have miserably failed it is not lovely in and of itself. It is not the end of the journey. Standing alone, it's messy and sad. No, the beauty in spiritual brokenness is found in where it brings us. Biblical brokenness always leads us to cling to Christ. Biblical brokenness always leads us to cling to Christ. You know, I found that true in my life, and I found it true in others. And as we are dealing with, you know, broken people all around us, people that need a new identity, you know, um, maybe here comes so-and-so the cheater, here comes so-and-so the thief, here comes so-and-so the addict. That's not their real identity, <laughs> you know? That's not who they are. That's not who God created them to be. They need a new identity. And I think God has this mission for us to help them find that in him, right? And that's the beautiful thing for us is to help people find a new identity. For Zacchaeus to go from Zacchaeus the tax collector to the son of Abraham is an amazing transformation. 
You know, I think a lot of times in our lives, our spiritual lives, we start out as Zacchaeus. We're amazed by God's grace. And then we've been on this path for a while following God. Somehow we turn into the crowd that mumbles and mutters. (laughs) Really, Zacchaeus? But what God's calling us to in this story is to be the agent of grace and truth, to be the people that give others a new identity and for us ourselves to find that identity and who Jesus is in our lives. Um, that's really all I had today. Um, I just wanted to visit with you about that, that idea of brokenness and that common denominator and that humility that goes along with this. I just really believe that um, when we're prideful and arrogant, God can't work in our lives. He can humble us, <laughs> and we can become broken, and he can start to work. Um, but we see that in these people's lives uh, that, we've, that we've looked at. So um, kind of in that spirit as we come to the communion table, um, you know, the scriptures say to examine our, before we come to the communion table, we're supposed to examine our hearts. So I would like for us to just take a little bit of time, examine our hearts, Um, do we have a good recognition of our own sin and the effect that that has on those around us? Um, And are we really broken before the Lord? Do we cling to God as our only hope for healing and restoration? Um, So maybe let's take a little bit of time and examine that. I'm going to pray for us, and then uh, the ushers will come and dismiss you. We do have a gluten-free option over here as well for you. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, we thank you for our time this morning. We thank you for your unbelievable grace that when we don't deserve it, that you freely give it. I pray that your kindness would lead us to repentance. I pray that we would have a proper view of our own sin. And that would put you and our view of you in its proper place as well. Um, Lord, that we would have biblical brokenness in our lives, that it would lead us to cling to you. Um, Thank you for our time this morning, Lord.